store independently owned and operated. Thanks for voting Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford, the number one liquor store in Oneida County. And thanks for making Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer the number one liquor store in Herkimer County. We like you too. That's why we offer the area's one and only 40-mile price match guarantee. Our websites have been updated to make your shopping online even easier. And we offer one-hour pickup or two-hour delivery. See why more and more people are shopping at Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford and Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer. At Family Dollar, we know you want more to enjoy your summer. Delight your family with our great assortment of ice cream and frozen treats. Family Dollar, helping you do more. Millions of despairing men, women, and little children. Victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. You cannot shake hands with a clenched fist. Produced by a nuclear exchange would be carried by wind and water and soil and seed to the far corners of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're not saying that planet Earth is coming to an end. We're saying that planet Earth is about to be refurbished, spaded under, and have another chance to serve as a garden for another civilization. Most of the people in here are just your reflections. They're your mistakes. 1776 will commence again if you try to take our firearms. One million of the planet's eight million species are threatened. You are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence ought to be a habit, not an act. Your lives and the credibility of the United Nations is at stake. Epstein didn't kill himself. The reason this is such an interesting time is not only because we're on the threshold of the end of this civilization. They're trying to take you out with bullshit. The experience of the past two years has proven beyond doubt that no nation can appease the Nazis. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. In the language of the U.S. Department of Defense, these are unidentified aerial phenomena. Roswell's a very interesting place with a lot of people that would like to know what's going on. Uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone. This is the Garden of Doom. Welcome everybody into Garden of Doom, and this week we're having a show that I've been trying to get done for a while. I wanted to get one on Voodoo. A long-time listeners know at some point I did a solo show where one of the topics was uh, me researching Voodoo, and, and I was sort of talking about it. Um, but you all know I don't like to do solo shows. And then uh, several months back, I, I had a show with uh, M.G. Stevens, who had studied voodoo for some period of time, and she referred me um, to a couple people, and one of them was our guest today, and this is Mumbo Brandy. So hi, Mom, Mumbo Brandy. How are you today? Hey, Jeff. Doing great. And yourself? I'm doing just great. And Brandy's coming to us from New Orleans, or the Crescent City, Narlins, as I, th I think the folks down there say, um, and she had, well, she'll, she'll tell you a bit about herself and, and, but she is one of the, maybe the founder and, and proprietor of something called Voodoo Authentica. Um, they do, they have, they have a shop, they do presentations, they do education, they have festivals. So all of that cool stuff. 
but she's also going to, you know, sort of guide us on a 101 level course of what is voodoo, what is New Orleans voodoo, and, and some related items. But first, let's ask Brandy to tell us a little bit about herself. So do you want to be called Brandy or Mambo Brandy? I, you said Mambo Brandy once. That's, that's enough. Brandy can carry it for the rest. <laughs> Brandy is fine. Um, I don't want to call you Doom Jeff for the rest of the show. So Ooh. I'm just going to stick with Jeff. I, I'm, uh, well, maybe I, I, Captain Doom. I, I would prefer something like Field Marshal Doom, but uh, we'll work on it. That's but we'll fair. we'll stick with Jeff, Jeff until I settle on one. Um, Mambo but, is Mambo is just another word for Voodoo Priestess. We've got that established. I'm a Voodoo Priestess. That's what Mambo means. And Brandy is cool for the rest of the show. I'm not definitely uh, one for formalities. Excellent. Okay. Well, good. I, well, I learned something already. Um, so, yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and, and your journey into voodoo and how one becomes a, uh, a voodoo priestess? Well, I'm born and raised in New Orleans. And um, I, as a child in New Orleans, it's really all around you. Uh, if you look for it, if your spirit is called to it. It's more of something that you are called to uh, in terms of the priesthood. Anyone can look into voodoo, learn about it, read about it. But uh, ever since I was a child, I feel I've gotten, I guess, messages from spirit, calls to spirit. Um, always been interested in how other people celebrate their version, I'd say, of the divine, of God, um, done a lot of studying, you know, with other cultures, because I'm very interested in how people, the similarities amaze me. Um, all over the world, there's so many people who are really doing the same thing and calling it different names. And in New Orleans, Voodoo is a part of our culture. It's a part of our heritage. And um, really, it's it's in the air. It's in the water. So if you just pay a little attention and open your spirit up. And also, if there's the call, you and you listen. And you listen to it. You will be called the spirit. You'll have dreams. You'll notice just symbols and signs and Things that maybe some people take for granted, how a rose is growing. Not to get too too kooky here, but um, I see a lot of symbols around me and have since I was a child that I took as spiritual messages that really turned out to be legit spiritual messages that maybe a friend might have passed off as, oh, it's just a bumblebee. It's just the way a rose is growing. It's nothing special, nothing significant, but... I listened. I knew that these weren't just things that were happening. They were messages. And I haven't been guided wrong when I've listened to those messages and listened to my instincts. And that's honestly a big part of voodoo. Uh, I also have my godmother, who's Haitian. She's a, a rester soul, a voodoo priestess named Mama Lola. And she is my, again, rester soul, my mother in the Haitian voodoo part. I am a New Orleans voodoo priestess, but all of my initiations were in Haiti. So I 
kind of ride that fence between being from New Orleans, having my parents, my grandparents, my great parents, grandparents. I go way back in New Orleans. So I honor all of those New Orleans spirits. But I've also got that other side of my family, you know, who's Haitian. So my initiatory rites as a priestess are actually Haitian style and done in Haiti. So I have a heart really is Haiti's got a whole country of people to honor and continue those Haitian voodoo traditions. But in New Orleans, we've just got us. So I definitely have a focus on keeping those traditions alive, helping to educate people about what those traditions are, where they come from. Uh, at the same time, you know, I honor both. I honor both. And I also honor the African Orisha because in New Orleans voodoo, because of our history, we have the African Orisha and the Haitian Loa. Those are the different spirit forces associated with dif those different traditions. And those are because of our, we came by them honestly. It's, you know, it's part of our history. Um, I, I being, a New okay. being a practitioner of New Orleans voodoo, you honor the African Orisha, the Haitian Loa, and some spirits that are just in New Orleans that you don't find in other traditions, such as the great voodoo queen, Mamzelle Marie Laveau. I think this is probably a good time to pause for a second and sort of see if we can get some definitions or, or what what's the difference between the African Orisha or tradition and the Haitian voodoo tradition uh, as compared and contrasted to the New Orleans voodoo tradition. What, what, what are the distinctions and maybe the, I, I guess maybe it's probably easier to start with like what is sort of it writ large and then what are the distinctions of sort of a compare and contrast? Oh, writ large and the lawyer comes up. I, I say that <laughs> the term every show and I'm, I'm sure the, if, if there was a drinking game for it, if, if my audience has a drinking game, that, that would probably be a word they would use. Do, do I get a dollar every time you say writ large? Yeah. <laughs> we, going forward, we can make that deal. A dollar a drink. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, well, basically, you've got African voodoo, which or African vodun. You'll see them, especially when academics are exploring these topics, you'll see the word voodoo spelled differently. Again, especially when you're dealing with academics and books written by academics. Um, my godmother, I was say, how do you like to spell voodoo? She's like, I don't spell it, I practice it. So um, the spellings are typically less important to people who practice than the people who are academics writing the books. But sure. uh, to honor that, the African, you you see a lot of vodun, V-O-D-U-N or V-O-D-O-U-N. Um, and these are practices, as I said, Haiti has a whole country. Well, Africa has several countries to honor those traditions and their traditions that never left Africa. Um, well, excuse me, not never left, but they are still practiced in Africa as they have been. In Haiti, same thing. You've got practices, Haitian voodoo, which you often see spelled V-O-D-O-U, but not exclusively. And these are practices that have continued and that 
have a whole country or an activate several countries to honor, continue, and celebrate them. But then you've got New Orleans voodoo, which, because of the slave trade, there were people who were taken as slaves from directly from Africa and also from Haiti and the French West Indies. So to New Orleans, to the port of New Orleans. So you ended up with this combination of African practices, Haitian practices, uh, Native American practices, things that were indigenous to our area where a combination took place where you have this practice today, some people call it a religion, some people call it a spiritual path of New Orleans voodoo, where you have African Orisha or African spirit forces, Haitian Loa, um, some Native American influences honored, you know, that were already here. And again, spirits that are really exclusive to New Orleans voodoo, but have become beloved by people who visit here and found a kinship with certain New Orleans voodoo spirits like Marie Laveau. They have people in their homes and in other places. There are shrines to Marie Laveau, a very New Orleans voodoo spirit all over the world uh, because she's such a powerful force uh, to be reckoned with. So, Again, because these practices continue to go on in these other countries, even though people from those countries, whether through the slave trade or modern times, have relocated to other areas of the world, they've, of course, brought their practices with them. So you have Haitian voodoo as it's being practiced today, practiced in New Orleans, practiced in Miami. You have African Vodun as it's practiced today, being practiced in Africa, and wherever wherever people from Africa find themselves throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these the practices have differences, but they also have a lot of commonality, a lot of common ground. Um, in Africa, in, in let's just say uh, the Orisha, you've got an African Orisha who is called Elegwa. Well, in Haitian voodoo, you've called, you've got a spirit called Papa Legba. They're both guardians. They, they are definitely distinct, distinct spirit forces, but they share a lot in common. Um, they have similar colors to represent them, similar offerings. They are both the guardians of the crossroads. They are both gone to first in ceremony to get the door open between humans and that spirit communication it's very important to honor them first to open that door to the rest of the ceremony so as a initiated haitian mambo and a new orleans voodoo priestess as well um i'm not going to land anywhere and see something within the diaspora being practiced and be like what the heck's going on here right. i'm going to understand okay we're honoring a crossroads spirit right now now we're moving on to either Ogun or Papa Ogu. Now we're moving on to this. Now we're moving on to that. The names are different. And again, the spirits are distinct, but they have similar attributes. And if you've been doing this long enough, you know what's going on no matter where you find yourself. I hope that 
comes close to answering your question. I think it does. So it's it's not like Zeus and Jupiter, which are basically the, the same God, just different names. Uh, it's a similar type of spirit, a similar type of purpose, but it sounds like the local geography and the local culture, you know, changes it. Um, and it, it adapts to be a distinct spirit based on the, I'll just use personality of the locality. Absolutely. When you think about how different these areas are, you have different herbs, you have different geography. Um, you know, you have some areas that are dry, some areas that are filled with water. So, Wherever these traditions land, they've had to adapt to what is there, what ingredients are there. Um, you know, what I, if you come from a place where you are honoring water spirits, you find yourself in a dry space, you have to adapt. You know, luckily in New Orleans, we are literally surrounded by every body of water imaginable. <laughs> um, and in Louisiana in general, yeah. you know, there's not there's not a place you can't find, you know, a bayou, a river access, you know, ocean access, you know, whatever you need is there. Right. I, I want, you know, you indicated that you are a priestess and a mambo and one of Haitian and one of New Orleans voodoo. So, I mean, you know, obviously that's very different than, you know, like, for instance, you couldn't be both a Catholic priest and a, you know, Protestant minister at the same time. Um, maybe you could switch from one to the next, um, but you, you can wear both simultaneously, which is a big distinction from, you know, I guess maybe the, I'll just say the more traditional religions, though. That's pretty arguable, especially if you're going back to something that has its roots in Africa versus things that have their roots, you know, but anything after Africa is probably newer, right? <laughs> so uh, it's probably younger. Yeah, I'm all and um, there are tie-ins there. Uh, I love my Catholic saints, and because of the way, the brutal way that voodoo came to the quote-unquote new world, uh, people were not allowed to practice their traditions freely. You know, they were enslaved, so the religion that was acceptable at the time here in New Orleans was Catholicism. So that was a mask. Catholicism was when the slave master would come into the slave quarters, there would be an image of, you know, Catholic imagery. Mm -hmm. And they would be using that imagery to honor their own spirits from their own home. But over time, Rather than being substitutions, it you got more of a synchronization going on. Um, Mama Lola, my godmother, is such a great example of that. She loves, as I do, uh, she loves Erzuli Freda, a certain Haitian Lawa that's all about love, abundance, prosperity. And the Catholic spirit that represents her, you know, the let's say the mass you know, the, that was used as a mask to preserve this tradition. It is how voodoo was kept alive uh, by using this system, this brilliant system of um, a Catholic saint to represent a voodoo spirit for us. But over time, uh, like I said, kind of synchronization, a blend took place where instead of 
oh, okay, I'm either honoring this aspect of the Virgin Mary. You know, there's so many aspects of the Virgin Mary picture different ways. You know, sure. there's um, Caridad del Cobre. There's, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe. They're they're all Mary, but they're just in different um, different aspects. So all of these different aspects connect with uh, different spirit forces. Um, just like St. Peter. Some people use St. Lazarus. But there are different aspects of Papa Legba, a spirit I mentioned before. Some people use Pop, use Saint uh, Peter because he holds the key. You know, I told you he was the gateway. Mm-hmm. He holds the key. So imagery, there was imagery that helped to make these connections. Oh, okay, Saint Peter holds the key. So that's a Legba. That's Papa Legba. So instead of again there being these very distinct you know, okay, this is St. Peter, this is Papa Lake, but they really became blended. So we love St. Peter and Babaluaye, another spirit that uh, some people are using, you know, to represent that crossroads spirit. Uh, because as I said, there are different traditions and there's, I'm letting you know how I practice. Of course. And, you know, there are so many different ways to practice, but you have these different representations of these different spirit forces. And uh, at Voodoo Authentica, for example, we have an altar that honors all of our crossroads spirits together. You've got Eshu, you've got Papa Legba, you've got Alegua. They all have their own areas on that altar, but they're able to share space comfortably. And trust me, if you've got spirits together that aren't interested in being together on altar, they will let you know very distinctly that they're not interested in sharing space. But we have spirits that coexist very well, um, that are simply different aspects of very similar spirit forces with different names. And uh, you know, similar offerings are given, but... We do honor those differences. I don't. I don't ride the train of oh, you know, that's just a different same spirit, different name. No, I don't do that. These are different spirits that deserve their own respect, their own name, their own background, their own traditions to be honored. And that is something that we really try to make clear when we are sharing information at Voodoo Authentica with people, which we try to do a lot of. We always try to let people know a little bit more about voodoo than they came in knowing. Um, yeah, it's a little without, bit, there's a little animism in there. People. Right? There's a little animism in there that, that, you know, this stream has a spirit from here. The stream 100 miles away has a spirit there, but they're not, they're a similar spirit, but they're not the same. Correct. Yeah. I, and so when I hear about people saying things like, oh, you know, that's just the same spirit called by a different name somewhere else. I find that to, it disrespects whole, tra- it can disrespect whole traditions that have their own background, culture, stories about how these spirits came into being. And so I, I don't go that route where I'm just like, oh yeah, a leg was just pop a leg, but call it, no, a leg, what is his own spirit force? Papa Legba is his own spirit force. Ashu is his own spirit force. And they are connected with different traditions in the diaspora. So, you know, you 
you you want to honor all of those and uh you know tread carefully tread carefully and make sure that you're giving honor to each instead of trying to take the lazy way sure i have a question for you and and that is uh, you know, obviously, the you know you've driven it home very clearly. There's a difference between Haitian and New Orleans, and the you know the the, the uh, Western African roots. Um, but is, is there is there are there different variations or versions that are just as distinct? Say, you know, you go f- further west to Houston, you go up north, maybe Lafayette uh, into the Mississippi Delta and Alabama, or or is like New Orleans voodoo sort of most of your you know. United States of America variation. New Orleans voodoo is for and about New Orleans. What you get in a lot of the South is now there are people just like there are people practicing Haitian voodoo and African voodoo throughout the world in the United States that have brought their traditions with them. Mm -hmm. You get the same thing with New Orleans voodoo, but just because you, it's, some people want to call something something just because. Each store independently owned and operated. Thanks for voting Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford, the number one liquor store in Oneida County. And thanks for making Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer the number one liquor store in Herkimer County. We like you, too. That's why we offer the area's one and only 40-mile price match guarantee. Our websites have been updated to make your shopping online even easier. And we offer one-hour pickup or two-hour delivery. See why more and more people are shopping at Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford and Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer. Here's to you, permanent resident of the snack table. For without you, how would we know that a bun is merely a vessel for delivering Eckrich smoked sausage to your mouth and that there's no shame in being the first to get seconds? Mm. Here's to you. Eckrich smoked sausage. You do you. Like, if you decide, I want to do things my own way, then it's best if you either create your own tradition or call it something else. But this, it's not a free-for-all. It's not a free-for-all, although we embrace and historically have in New Orleans voodoo, um, you know, for reasons that are in the history books, uh, why we have African Orisha honored and celebrated in New Orleans voodoo, why we have Haitian traditions celebrated in New Orleans voodoo, uh, why we have our own traditions celebrated in New Orleans voodoo. It's one thing to have that that has evolved and built itself over time nothing to take that elsewhere and just say well i'm gonna do this that the other thing throw a little greek mythology in there throw a little of this throw it a little of that throw it a little of that pop in some gumbo and jambalaya and just call it new orleans voodoo (laughs) that's where you get into a little bit of trouble is in calling things what they're not there is i'm not saying there isn't a lot of freedom and each house, even in Haitian voodoo and African voodoo, house to house, some houses, they, they have their own spirits that won't be found in other houses. They're family spirits. So it's not like, oh, this is, I, this is identical. You know, I, if you go throughout Haiti, this is going to be, you know, identically done, the exact same spirits. That's simply not the case. There are some houses Meaning, once someone is initiated and they are their own ungan or mambo, their own um, priest or priestess, 
they are autonomous at that point. Um, you know, they can't go completely, you know, off, you know, off into cuckoo land, but it is their house and they are running it as they see fit. And again, they have certain family spirits that will only be in their house. So, uh, back to what, you know, more of what you were saying, um, again, not, not a free for all, but you can't just take these practices, go wherever you want, change them up in any fashion you see fit and still call them what you want. It's like you took my recipe for gumbo, you know, that I learned from my family. Like gumbo is a sacred dish. It's, it's, it's as much a part of our traditions as, you know, family traditions, celebrations, food is sacred. It's an important part of our life. And a dish that is as synonymous with New Orleans as, you know, Mardi Gras or anything else, you can't just take gumbo and say, you know what? I think I'm going to throw a cream of mushroom soup in there. And I'm still going to call it gumbo. No, your ass ain't. <laughs> I think I understand you know, what you're saying. Like, so if, if, yeah. some, if somebody with sincerely held beliefs and, and you know, uh, they move to, I don't know, whatever, Galveston, and I'm making this up, I have no idea, but, and they move to Galveston and they detect, you know, they find spirits that are unique to Galveston uh, and they have a relationship with them and that spreads you it's feasible that there could be something legitimately called Galveston voodoo. But if Jeff the Huckster, you know, studies enough voodoo just to be dangerous, goes to Galveston and I decide to throw in a little bit of, you know, I, I, I read up on some Hopi lore and I throw in a little Canaanite religion or whatever. And I, and I say, this is Galveston voodoo. I'm, I'm full of it. It's better to just call it Jeffism. <laughs> and let me tell you, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. I'm just saying as long as you present it as Jeffism, there, that Jeffism may reach many people. And people identify with it. They're comfortable with it. They're like, oh, my God, I've got a home in Jeffism that I've never found any place else. Don't give That's me any great. ideas. But, <laughs> yeah, but just just. Just saying that, um, you know, kind of throwing in whatever you want to the recipe, you know, and, you know, at, at some point, it ain't the recipe that it started as. Is there, is there like a fourth kind that's recognized? I mean, I, 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 the word legitimate is the only one I can, and, and that doesn't sound like the right word based on our conversation, but for lack of a better word uh, in my mind at the moment, is there like a, another legitimate form of voodoo that's recognized uh you know somewhere else other than the ones that we've discussed that sort of have you know anywhere near the prominence or the or the visibility of haitian african um new orleans well that word legitimate is a, is a little tricky yeah um i know but what i will what i will say is that you know again going back to the african slave trade this is, these are people who were taken from different regions of Africa and ended up in Brazil, Cuba, all over the world, you know, 
um, not just New Orleans and, you know, Haiti, et cetera, et cetera. So you have traditions that aren't called voodoo, but you've got Santeria, you've got Candomblé. It's not like, oh, these are versions of voodoo, but they are continuations, adaptations of spiritual traditions that all originated in Africa. And, you know, and as far as legitimacy, absolutely. You know, these are, these are people who uh, are kept traditions alive through the worst of conditions, um, you know, primarily through oral traditions and kept these traditions alive, no matter where they found themselves in the world. Uh, one thing that a lot of them do have in common is that connection to Catholicism. You'll see that in, you'll see it in Brazil. You'll see it in Cuba. You'll see it in Haiti. You'll see it, you know, all over the place. These connections, you'll see these Catholic images on voodoo altars, on Santeria altars, on Candomblé, you, you name it. You see that Catholic imagery because that is what was acceptable. And at this point, sure, people could say, all right. We're all clear. We can take all that Catholic imagery. But now that's a part of the history, a part of the story, which um, removing it. So, and some people have. Some people have to get a, I don't want to say quote unquote, but I will quote unquote purity. But the truth is, it's, I hate to use an analogy that may not fit here at all, but once a building has, has burned, you know, um, some of those singes, you know, you could make that building look brand new, but some of those singes are part of that building's history then. Right. You know, some of that, that, that pain, the singeing, um, trying to just remove all that, it's, it's saying, okay, this history didn't exist. We're trying to return to some place of quote-unquote purity, but while you're doing that, uh, you know, you got a couple hundred years that have passed where this has been incorporated. You know, the, the Catholicism has been incorporated, has become a part of it for people throughout the world. And I'm honoring, you know, let's just say Caridad del Cobre, you know, one of the aspects of the Virgin Mother independently. While I'm honoring Oshun and African Orisha, while I'm honoring them both at the same time, it's not that easy to explain, but they're together. I can honor them individually together. They're, I hope you get where I'm coming from. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I, I, I mean, I, I assume that there are certain ceremonies or chants or prayers or whatever that appeal to one or that may appeal to all or some combination uh, and and as a someone trained in that and steeped in the tra tradition you know the difference exactly and sometimes i'm just blending those i am blending like the catholic effigy that is representing like if you look at one of our altars you will see representations of oshun that have nothing to do with the Catholic icon iconography, you'll see a blend. You'll see the Catholic image. 
you'll see images from Oshun from all over the place that are all together on our altar. And they all come together to represent and honor Oshun. But I'm still able to honor that, that spirit, Mary, that saint, all by themselves, too. Um, I just, the, the separations get fuzzy, and they get fuzzy because at times they're needless. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm contradicting myself where I've said all of these spirits are unique and distinct. Um, and then I'm saying, well, sometimes, you know, these, I'm mainly talking about the Catholic aspect when I talk about the blending, but let's just take the Catholic calendar. Um, you know, when it's St. Patrick's Day, it's Papa Dambala Day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this, the serpent spirit of wisdom and balance. Um, while we are honoring the Catholic traditions of the St. Patrick's Day, the St. Patrick's Day parades, we're also doing ceremonies for Papa Dambala and, you know, baking breads. I don't know about what y'all do where you are, but in New Orleans, it's like Catholic extreme stream plus, plus, plus the way I grew up. <laughs> so you know, it's not just like, okay, you know, go to church. Nope. When it's St. Patrick's or St. Joseph Day, I mean, you've got breads, pastries, candles. Um, you have got doing it up big for these Catholic saints. And you do something very similar for those spirits that have, the voodoo spirits that have been syncretized with them. Um, some of the same colors, like everyone associates green with St. Patrick. Guess what Papa Dumbala's main color is, you know, green and green green and white. So, you know, like right now, my altar here, you know, I have altars all over Voodoo Authentic and all over at home, little altars everywhere. And I've got, you know, pictures of Moses, pictures of St. Patrick, um, other images that have nothing to do with the with the Catholic imagery um, and symbols that are also on that altar, all together honoring Papa Zambala and Saint Patrick and Moses all together. Okay. One of the one of the big images. Uh, it's also about you know about balance and um, you know the serpent, the rainbow, Papa Zambala, Aida Wedo. They they balance the masculine and feminine. Um, and so you'll, they also have a lot to do with fertility. So you'll see a lot of egg offerings given mm-hmm. to, you know, given on Papa Zambala altars, you know, egg and a little bit of cornmeal. Um, don't want to get off track. Don't want to get confusing. <laughs> but e- each spirit has their own color, their own day of the week, um, their own feast days, you know, things that they enjoy having on their altars, songs that are sung to them drum beats that are done specifically for them and symbols that are drawn on the ground in cornmeal called bebe when you're dealing with the Haitian loa, uh, that all of this is to call spirit to ceremony and it's expected, but not taken for granted. If you know what I mean, that spirit comes to your ceremony. If they don't, it's like the guest of honor didn't show up at your party. Right. Right. It's disappointing, but, you know they're they they're the they're the decision maker. It's not disappointing because they they always come. Well, if you are doing if you are playing the rhythms, if you are singing the songs, um, 
you know, they do not disappoint. Okay. They do show up. Um, but, uh, you know, yes, if they didn't, then it would be like that guest of honor showing, not showing up. Gotcha. Um, did, are, did you do different initiation rites for the priestess role and the mambo role is the wrong, uh, you know, honorific, I, I, you know, status. Um, I may imagine that there's similarities, but there, uh, there's got to be differences. Uh, I'm not sure if you're even allowed to talk about it or not. Well, there's a lot that I can't talk about. And of course, I won't share anything that is secret, you know, okay. ceremonially, ceremonial secrets. Um, but very different. Uh, in New Orleans voodoo, because this was a tradition that was steeped in secrecy and that people weren't allowed to practice, a lot of those initiatory rites, their big ceremonies, they weren't allowed to happen. So that is why a lot of people who, let's say like me, you know, I got my formal priestess initiation in Haiti where that cycle was never interrupted. It, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Like that that cycle of that cycle of tradition and initiation was not interrupted. So a lot of people who are called to the priesthood end up going to the area that they are called to, whether that be Africa or Brazil or Cuba or Haiti, wherever that is, they end up getting their formal initiatory rites in those places. Um, because in New Orleans, as I said, for very, very good reasons, there were disruptions. Large ceremonies were done in secret on bayous. These are not things that were allowed, um, again, because of slavery, because of the slave trade. These were things that had to be practiced in secret. So that is why the tradition of the the solitary practitioner, the botanicas or the quote-unquote drug stores where you could go get remedies, um, the focus in New Orleans became a lot more on the magic. And I'm sure you can do the math and understand why that is. Magic is something that you could do behind closed doors, in your own home, in the back of a quote-unquote drug store. You know, go get a fix for this, go get a fix for that. So uh, that is why magic is such a focus of New Orleans voodoo more than it is in a lot of the other traditions that have a major ceremonial focus. A lot of those larger ceremonies just couldn't happen during those times. So for very good reasons, things had to retreat more into like solitary practitioners Stuff that little something, something done behind closed doors. Now, fortunately, we're in a time where we can take to the streets again, like at our annual Voodoo Fest that we have right here outside of Voodoo Authentica. Every year on Halloween, we're able to take to those streets openly, um, honor and celebrate all of the contributions that Voodoo has made to our local New Orleans uh, culture, history, and traditions. It's all day. It's free. You know, we cook and we celebrate, you know, African dishes, Haitian dishes, New Orleans dishes. We cook all night home cooked food. We honor our ancestors. 
the ones we know about, the unknown and forgotten ancestors. We have speakers that are representing Africa, Haiti, and New Orleans, priests and priestesses, honoring all of those traditions. It's a place to come for free, to learn, to embrace, you know, the beauty of New Orleans voodoo and where it historically comes from, to really learn and to eat, to get fed, um, <laughs> to feed the community. To feed the community, to you know, to literally taste and hear through music and um, talking and sharing. Some of it is people sharing spiritual songs. Some of it's just coming to get a really good, true, real jambalaya. You know, a a, a, a delicious um, mambo brandy, butter beans with pickled pork and sausage. We also take care of our vegetarians. Um, not with my butter beans and pickle pork and sausage, no, obviously. Right. But, sure. And then at 7 o'clock, everybody comes together and participates in this ancestral reverence ceremony where you can call out, no matter what your tradition is, no matter where you came from, you know, whether you have a European tradition, an African tradition, it doesn't matter. You're able to call out. The veil is thin, as they say. You're able to call out to... Um, people that are from your past or people who have passed on recently and call out and get a response. It's a moving moment. Um, and we call it ancestral reverence ceremony. We call it the ancestral healing ceremony. Um, some people laugh, they cry, they feel connected to those who have crossed over in a way that they haven't felt the rest of the year. So it's a chance to let to show people how to connect with spirit themselves because I'm, I'm one of those give people a fishing pole, <laughs> you know, not the fish kind of right. people. I don't, I don't want people depending on me um, any more than they have to for their own connection to source. I'm like, here's a great way to connect to source. I want them to find that connection on their own. I want them to learn how to do their own altars. And whenever people say, Oh, well, what's a good way to get started? I always say the same thing. The best way to get started is an ancestral altar to your own ancestor. Ancestors from your own background and your own traditions. Start there. Get the messages from there first. Keep it simple. White cloth. Represent your elements. You know, cup of water. You know, represent your, your four elements and, you know, light that candle. Put on the incense. Have a representation of Earth. Keep it simple. Have a photograph if there's a known ancestor that you miss that is crossed over, and they will talk to you. But doesn't matter if you're, you know, African, Haitian, Norley, Irish, Italian. It's the great way to start is start from home. Start with your own ancestors and see where that goes to make. It doesn't all have to be about voodoo, you know. Start connecting. If you want that spiritual connection, you know, start it close to home with the ancestors that you know that you can trust and see what comes from that. Yeah. Ancestor reverence is one of the first, um, you know, philosophies or religions, whatever term one wants to use. Um, and it's surviving to date. I would like to move on to something um, what are some of the common misconceptions that people have about voodoo, whether it's, you know, 
New Orleans voodoo or, you know, Haitian voodoo, that doesn't matter. What are some of the common misconceptions you encounter? Because I'm sure you hear them all. Well, we're open 11 to 7, seven days a week to the general public. We have a website open to the general public. So we get a lot of questions every single day. And it's a really good question, Jeff. And some of the tops would be one. Number one is what about voodoo dolls? Um, a lot of times you get the only exposure people have had to a voodoo doll is some movie they've mm-hmm. seen where there's a pin and the pin stuck in somebody's leg and then the human being's leg is broken. And that's all they know about voodoo dolls. Right. Scooby-Doo, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, live and let die. Exactly. James Bond comes to mind for sure. Yep. Um, but that's really a lot of what people know um, when they speak about voodoo dolls. And I will say that it's popularized as the voodoo doll, but dolls are used in many forms of magic. So when you see a doll used for magic, it isn't always necessarily a voodoo doll. They have um, people in witchcraft. They use a, a, a figure called a poppet. You're probably familiar with that. So it's not a people see a doll used for magic and they immediately assume it's a voodoo doll. That's not always the case. But what I can tell you is that the way we use voodoo dolls at Voodoo Authentica is well, we have a lot of different dolls, but just the the general basic New Orleans voodoo doll made of sticks, local moss, comes with a black and white pin, complete instructions. In those instructions, it lets you know, first of all, we remind people about karma. We remind them what that what they're sending out, it ain't a one-way trip. What you're sending out does come back to you. So we remind people to keep that well in the forefront of their mind when they're doing magic and that there are usually really positive doesn't have to be Pollyanna but there are I don't know if I want positive yes but also smarter solutions like if you have a boss and they're a nightmare well you know killing the boss is not your best route typically (laughs) it's how about you work on focusing on getting that boss a transfer. Each store independently owned and operated. Thanks for voting Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford, the number one liquor store in Oneida County. And thanks for making Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer the number one liquor store in Herkimer County. We like you, too. That's why we offer the area's one and only 40-mile price match guarantee. Our websites have been updated to make your shopping online even easier. And we offer one-hour pickup or two-hour delivery. See why more and more people are shopping at Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford and Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer. As a parent, no two days are ever the same. At Care.com, you can find trusted and flexible sitters to help manage your family's ever-changing schedule. Care.com can even help you out with housekeepers, dog walkers, senior caregivers, and more. So you can find care for all you love. And 100% of caregivers who use Care.com have been background checked with CareCheck, a key first step in hiring confidently. To get the help you need to make it all work, sign up now and find a great sitter at Care.com. It works out better for anything because usually people behave that way because they're, as you probably well know, they're miserable within their own selves. So 
you get them a transfer somewhere they're happy, all of a sudden you have a little bit of peace restoration in your own office without harming anyone. So a lot of times when people come to us, they're looking to follow that movie of how do I stick it to somebody with that voodoo doll. And I let them know, well, you see these depictions where the pin is used to harm, whereas mainly what we're using the pin for, it's, you could think about it kind of like a spiritual acupuncture. We're using that pin to focus energy into that certain area of the doll that is representing either themselves or another individual. And primarily that's used for healing. Um, you see a pin stuck in the heart, that could be someone's going through a heart procedure. We need to send healing to that area that we've energetically, you know, kind of created and named as that person. Uh, it could be the prefer- the proverbial heart that needs to be healed. So assumptions are made when people see things they don't understand. They assume they see a pin stuck in a voodoo doll. Uh-oh. Right. But well, the, we're using it, the pins as focusing tools. Again, I'm speaking for myself. I'm speaking for how we do things at Buddha Authentica. And um, I try to make that clear. I'm not going to speak for the world. That's not, it's not necessary. And it'd it just be silly and foolish to do so. I can tell you what I do and how I do it and what I think, what works for me and what I find has worked for many, many years. And that is to go about things in the smartest, most karmically responsible way possible. Now, be that as it may, there's some nasties out there that like to send negative magic people's way. Even then, I say, you hold up a mirror and you simply do a return to sender. Just like if you send out something negative, it's coming back to you. You know, usually more than one fold. Um, same thing goes for someone sends something to you. You hold up a mirror. And I use literal mirrors um, in addition to, you know, spiritual mirrors. It's like, I don't need to originate hexes and curses and negativity. You send something my way, well, it's bouncing back to you. And all I'm doing is a return to sender. Didn't originate it. Didn't come from me. You're just getting your own back. So... I am a complete endorser of self-protection. Again, I'm not Pollyanna. I, I'm not like, you know, okay, you send some way, I'm going to take it. Hell no. You send something my way, uh, I'm not going to do this pissing match where you, you send something to me, I'm sending something. No, all I'm going to do is hold up the mirror and all you're getting is your own back. You should recognize it because you sent it. It's like a boomerang. That's it. So that is, to me, the best kind of self-defense magic is just doing a return to sender. It's really effective. Your karma's clean because all you've done is hold up a mirror and sent the stuff back. Nothing has originated from you. What, if anything, is the difference... You let it it ping off. So what, if anything, is the difference between the magic that you practice versus what maybe... A Wicca would practice, or Egyptian magic, or Chinese magic, or you know, or, or is there? Um, yeah, I, I don't know how to, how to ask that question any better. 
ultimately magic is magic and it has a lot to do as I'm sure you've learned on your journey of exploration um, that it has a lot to do with faith and now let me make something clear people think well if I don't believe in something myself the magic of someone else can't affect me well I can't say I subscribe to that because if the practitioner of magic has faith and belief in what they are doing, they most assuredly can affect the universe and others, whether you believe in it or not. Yeah, it wouldn't make any so, sense if you both you know, have to believe it. I mean, that's not a submarine where you both have to turn a key. I mean, the user has to believe. <laughs> right. Like, ultimately, the practitioner... If the practitioner is experienced and capable, they are able to send magic out, you know, whether that be, um, you know, sending dreams, sending actual, you know, physical impact, um, hopefully for the greater good and the purpose of good, you know, fingers crossed. We hope that's what people are doing. We love when they're doing that, but I can use a knife to, um, you know, to, to hunt and kill to feed my family. I can also use it to murder someone. Mm -hmm. Magic is a, magic is a tool. I can use that knife to cut up a green bean. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's a tool. Magic is a tool, and it's a tool for any any tradition. Oh my God, the, the differences. You know, there's a sea of differences. There's a sea of different spirits at play that are called on. Um, but when it comes down to it, magic itself is a tool that can be used to help or to harm. Is there a particular term that um, you use in, in your traditions, like the spirit realm or the astral realm or the Akashic fields? Is, is there some term that people might know? Uh can you be a little clearer about um, <laughs> what you're asking me in terms of voodoo? Um, well, the answer might be no, but uh, it, it, you know how, like, you know, it, you know, in Doctor Strange, we, he talks about the astral realm. In, in, you know, I know a lot of people who are uh, spiritualists talk about the Akashic field or the Akashic record. Um, you know, uh, I, I okay, think, okay, I, I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Um, you've got. So many whenever there's interviews about voodoo you're dealing with so many different traditions and depending on the tradition you're coming from there are practitioners that work with me that will call uh the spiritual realms realm simply the spiritual realm um the home of the loa the home of the, the orisha um there are people who particularly um well African and Haitian tradition too that'll call that realm Guinea. So, um, you know, that has African roots. So, it, again, it truly depends on who you are speaking to and what tradition they come from. As far as a blanket term, here are what all voodoo people from whatever tradition, whatever country, whatever practice, all call it the same thing. No, that's that that that's an absolute no go. Um, it that that's not a thing. Okay. Everyone 
everyone has their own traditions and their own folklore that goes with these traditions. Um, how the Orisha came to be, their own creation stories, um, their own uh, burial practices, their own ideas about, you know, what are those next steps, you know, after uh, we leave this corporeal form. And that truly goes from tradition to tradition. So one blanket statement about what all voodoo people are calling the spiritual realm Ain't gonna get it. I wasn't gonna ask you this, but it, just since you just mentioned it, what is the the creation story or the creation myth um, in your disciplines? Oh Lord, Jeff, another toffee. Um, there are again, you don't just have you don't have one. Um, you're dealing with, as I said, in Africa, you're dealing with not one country, but. Uh, different countries who have their different traditions. Um, and that would be a whole other show. It doesn't even make sense to get into it. That's a, uh, several books and a three hour conversation by itself. I wish I could sum it up, but you know, like, okay, one tradition, you know, there was an egg and the, you know, Dambala, you know, created the, created the world. And, Another tradition, you know, everything came from the back of a turtle. It would, it would just be ridiculous to try to get into all of the different traditions and their ideas about how everything came to be. Uh, don't be um, surprised if I if I try to convince you to do that once, is to give me different creation stories as, <laughs> and a three hour conversation, which I break up into two shows. But <laughs> hey, no, no problem at all. But since we're trying to really tap into kind of New Orleans voodoo and sure. focusing on that, that will take us on a journey that is so its own fascinating, um, multicultural, uh, multi-traditional journey with so many tradition, so many creation stories that each deserve their own time and their own respect. Sold. I'm. I, I'm convinced that I'm an easy sell on things like that. And and, and 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 I will tell you this, because so much um, over the last really couple hundred years has mixed with the Catholicism. You have to understand that a lot of those stories have been combined with those Catholic origin stories as well. That's okay. There's that's, no that's... way of getting. There's no way of getting around that. That's some of my favorite stuff when, when you have, you know, things are sort of, you know, borrowed or, or built upon or, you know, adapted. And, uh, you know, when you can see the similarities and then when it's actually part of the tradition itself, I think that that's great. As opposed to it, it's not necessarily supposed to be part of the tradition, but it is. And then people start fighting about what was first. Um, okay. So we'll move off, we'll move off, move off of that. You mentioned someone earlier. In the in the show, and the name is familiar, but I, don't, I'm, I I admit I don't really know enough about it offhand. So I think it was Madame LeBeau. Oh, so the great Mamselle Marie LeBeau. Um, she was a a lot of people call her the spiritual rest her soul. A lot of people call her the spiritual mother of New Orleans voodoo, and um, she was this. There's a lot of debate and there's a lot of academics that have done research, but um, 
born around 1789, passed around 1881, had a lot of children, and there are so many stories about her. Um, in fact, some people would say that she never aged because there, there, were, there was a daughter who followed in her footsteps, and um, people would say, oh, that's Marie Laveau. You know, she, the original Marie Laveau, she just doesn't age because she, she did have a number of children. And again, that's, that's a whole other show. Marie Laveau, Mamselle Marie Laveau deserves her own show, uh, truly, because her, her history, her contributions um, to voodoo, to New Orleans voodoo, to women's empowerment, honestly, um, she is, she's a woman of substance that would walk down the street and you paid attention. A hairdresser by trade, so privy to a lot of secrets. Um, but a historic... Hey, we all talk, we all, we all talk to our hairdressers. So, so yes. So I've heard. Privy to a lot of secrets that way, but she also um, forged a relationship with a Catholic priest um, at St. Louis Cathedral where she would do her ceremonies on the bayou as long as those same people would come to Père Antoine's church on Sunday. So she had an amazing relationship with the Catholic priest. And so a lot of the, as I said, the Catholic blending, uh, I told you the reason it happened, and that is definitely throughout the world. But in New Orleans, she created this, some spe very special bonds between not only those traditions, but the priesthood itself, or at least one very specific special priest. And, uh, you know, think about it. You know, think about the times mm -hmm. and being able to be the kind of woman that could forge a relationship like that. Sure. Yeah, that you know, was they, very they, political. They had, where they had these little like kind of agreements with one one another. You know, she would be doing ceremonies on the bayou and uh, also have people, you know, being in church on Sunday. And uh, it's, it's both a, a uh, fascinating, fascinating woman, fascinating human being. And oh, my goodness, so many stories. So many stories connected her. She would visit prisoners, you know, during the yellow fever epidemic with no concern for her own safety. Um, she was so disturbed at the public hanging that she was uh, a witness to that she, there's a huge story about a storm that she brought about. I'm not saying they didn't continue it the next day, but that day it was called off because she brought a huge storm and they couldn't continue that particular hanging. Um, she definitely did a lot uh, for the, the low, the high. She was in with, um, if someone could pay with a chicken, they paid with a chicken. She also helped a lot of politicians. So she worked with everyone. Everyone went to see Marie Laveau for to get spiritual work done, um, whether it was, you know, a school teacher, a politician, the, the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. And who could pay paid and who didn't, they, you know, they gave what they could. And so 
she, in that way, she began a, I, I don't, I don't like how it sounds, but you know, the commercial voodoo queen, because quite honestly, exchanges are done all over the world. This is not a New Orleans thing. If you go to a, a priest or priestess in Haiti, you are going to have an exchange for that work. If you go to Africa, you're going to have an exchange for that work, whether it's goods or money, whatever it's going to be. But she definitely did do magic in exchange for goods. I understand. She was. A- she, she, she valued herself. She valued her time. And um, she... And a lot of times she would, the money that she did get from the wealthy, she used to help out the people who didn't have much. Because she certainly didn't take it with her. She did not pass wealthy. She was progressive and practical as well. And a little yes. bit political as well, it sounds like. Yeah. Good. Uh, well, maybe that is another show, as, as you said. But uh, it sounds like she's the uh, spiritual and historical sort of, godmother or matriarch of of new orleans voodoo most definitely again that comes from me many others but uh not to you know beat a horse bloody but i i i like to continue to say i speak for myself and i'm not alone in this but i do definitely honor her there's an there's a very special altar for her a wishing altar you know at voodoo authentica completely in her honor and those candles on all our altars get lit every day. And people from everywhere. We get people from, you know, Germany, Japan, obviously locals, all over the United States. Um, you name it, people come to Voodoo Authentic and they use our altars. Because let's face it, not everyone can have an altar in their house. That's true. Um, I want so, to. So they, they, they petition the spirits. Our altars are active. They're active all the time. They're honored every day. So people use our altars to petition spirit. And there's also in St. Louis Cemetery Number 1, that's where Marie, Marie Laveau's tomb is, of course. Everything in here has to be shrouded with mystery. There's debate about where she's actually buried. But um, her tomb, her official tomb, is in St. Louis Number 1. And people are still doing the rituals at her tomb. You know, making the three X's, leaving the pennies on the tomb, doing the chicken scratch with their foot on the ground, leaving her hair barrettes, um, different things that are the color blue, sky blue, like her, like her tignon, like her head wrap. So little cakes, little offerings in exchange for the blessings. And she works with people. These spirits, they really work with people. And then whenever they come back in town, they go back and they thank her for, you know, how she's interceded on their behalf. So she's still, she's still at the job. She's still, she's still working. Spirits work hard. Um, people, they come in, we get, we get some people, you know, we've been around for a long time. So we get people that have used our altars for, you name it, you know, for jobs, for family, for fertility issues and, you know, they come back a couple years later, they've had their baby, they, you know, they come leave an offering, they thank spirit. So the altars are truly open. We ask that they get guidance because not everyone knows 
intrinsically, you know, what are the correct offer offerings to leave for each spirit. So of course we're there. It's, we have initiated practitioners there every day to help people and answer questions. So we help to guide that process, but the altars are truly open to anyone. People don't have to come in and buy something. You know, they can come in and just, some people just, they know what they're doing. They walk in, they have a petition for Allegua or Papa Legba or Azuli Freida or Azuli Danto. They know what they're doing. They know what petition they need to make. They go do their business with spirit. We leave. We know what they're doing. Other people, you know, obviously it's New Orleans. It's the French Quarter. We get visited, visitors from all over the world. So some people are just coming to learn a little bit about voodoo and leave with something, you know, something from New Orleans. And the difference is, at least, you know, when they come to Voodoo Authentica, they're getting, if they get a Voodoo doll, it's actually made here. It's made by oh, a practitioner. If, if they get a Grigri bag, it's actually made by a practitioner. Wait, wait, what's a Grigri so, bag? Oh, um, some people, you'll hear Grigri bag, you'll hear Mojo bag. Um, it's a bag that our priests make our, and our practitioners make. Someone can walk up. And they say, okay, I got a little something going on at my job. I need a little help. Or a lot of, a lot of the local musicians come in to, you know, get more gigs, things like that. So we take a piece of fabric and depending on what someone's asking for, we'll put the, it's usually a square of fabric and we, we put different herbs and roots. Uh, some of the roots, especially for our musicians, um, we heat those roots up, you know, over the pot, make them really nice and hot. Some of them, some of them need to be cooled down. So we use whatever's appropriate. The herbs, the roots, you know, the dried flowers, they each have their own spiritual properties. Some go with love. Some go with prosperity. Some go with justice. Um, some go with healing, et cetera, et cetera. So every herb has its own property. And we put those herbs, we cinch up the bag, um, kind of like a sachet, you know, kind of mm. like a sachet. And then we cinch it real good with yarn. We anoint it with the right oil. It might be, if it's a love bag, it might be love potion number nine, which of course we make everything ourselves there. And we anoint the bag and then we bless it at the appropriate altar. If it's a love bag, we're going to go usually talk to, Urzuli Freda or Oshun, who are the spirits that reign over those matters of the heart. Um, sometimes it's a matter of spiritual balance. You know, we may go to Obatala or Papa Dambala. Um, it all depends on there is no one way. You know, people come in, they've got different needs, and you got to deal with them as individuals. Right. And you gotta let you gotta let spirit come through because sometimes spirit will want an ingredient in that bag, and you gotta listen. You know, it may not be on the list mm -hmm. of what normally goes in a love and passion bag, but you gotta be open. You gotta listen to spirit. No, I need I need you to put a little of this, a little of that in this bag for this individual, mm -hmm. and um, we'll usually take a little something from them. Uh, you know, a little hair or nail clipping to make to make it theirs, to make sure their energy's in that bag. And those are the practitioner-made bags. There are also been, like the ready-made bags that um, are blessed for that purpose. 
because some people want something that they can pick up and go with. So those bags are blessed for their purpose, love and passion, money and good luck, et cetera. But the, and they're all made by practitioners, but the practitioner made bag, like while you wait, that's done on a one by one basis. You know, you stay in there, you make sure that the practitioner knows what Thanks for voting Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford, the number one liquor store in Oneida County. And thanks for making Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer the number one liquor store in Herkimer County. We like you, too. That's why we offer the area's one and only 40-mile price match guarantee. Our websites have been updated to make your shopping online even easier. And we offer one-hour pickup or two-hour delivery. See why more and more people are shopping at Seneca Wine and Liquor in New Hartford and Valley Wine and Liquor in Herkimer what your needs are and then you leave with that bag and we let you know how to use it right those are custom made tailored for you with with divine intervention at at times and then there's others that are generally effective but may not be you know uh, most effective for someone because it it, it's you know sort of take it's to go but these sound like they're almost like spells meeting talismans they're they're all they're all effective it's just that you have like, let's say you're coming in, you got 15 minutes to spend mm-hmm. and you have a lot of people to get things for. So you've just got to grab, you know, two love and passion, great, great, two money and good luck, great, great, two do well in school, school, great, great. You have to get these things and you have to leave. And the instructions let you know exactly how oh, okay. to personalize that, how to make it yours. Um, so yeah, they are made. They are made and blessed by practitioner, by practitioner in the same way I just laid out. But for people who have a little extra time, you know, they can walk up and they can get a bag and put, you know, like I say, put put a little of their, you know, their fingernail, their spit, or their hair, something that really that makes it theirs. The things that someone can always do at home, but this is something that's done while you wait, but all of them are effective because they work on really sympathetic magic where you are putting your own. We've already, we've already blessed it for that purpose. When you get home, you've got to keep that going. You've got to meditate with that bag. You've got to keep broadcasting that energy. You've got to spend time. Like I said, these are tools. You got to spend time with that tool to, keep that focus going to keep that broadcast going the herbs have energy the energy that the practitioner has blessed it with has energy and you are a key ingredient in that magic right your energy is a key ingredient and blending that with what we've already put into it what about um tarot is tarot related to voodoo um in as much as some practitioners choose to use that as a divination tool we've got i know voodoo practitioners who use the crystal ball i know voodoo practitioners who use cowrie shells who use bones who use stones who use tarot cards who use playing cards again it's not a one-size-fits-all it's it's some of it comes from how did you learn who taught you you know and a lot of times you're going to go with 
the medium that the divination medium that you were taught to use, Um, you know, and, and what, you know, just what vibrates with you. And, and also, you know, there's a million different kinds of tarot decks. There's a deck called the New Orleans Voodoo Tarot that's, you know, written by, you know, a, a priestess and a priest, you know, and some people really connect with that imagery. Um, there's other people that do better with a with an angel deck or a, or even a Crowley deck mm-hmm. or, like I said, a crystal ball, chicken bones, um, coins. So I have a lot of readers in my life, and I will tell you the most popular reading style for the people who come in Voodoo Authentica is tarot. And I think it's just because people are most familiar with it. Right. I mean, again, uh, not getting too much into the James Bond live and let uh, die, I think was the name of the movie. Jane Seymour was, you know, she was reading the tarot. And, and then there was the guy who was, uh, what what character was he playing the, the, with the top hat and the skeleton? Well, I'll tell you what people were attempting to represent, but not necessarily representing properly. Okay. When you have the top hat and the glasses sometimes go missing, they're either trying to represent typically Baron Semedi or Papagete. Okay. These are spirits of uh, death, death, sex, and resurrection. And surprisingly, also the primary healers, he, excuse me, healers, particularly of the Haitian pantheon, and um, very protective of children because of, you know, you got the cycle of life thing going on. So I can tell you what many movies are attempt and, and imagery that you see even on sports teams, um, what they're attempting to represent and what some popular TV shows, they may use the spirit's name, but um, all of the attributes are, are wrong. I, I won't name the name, but there's a TV show that has a character, a, a quote-unquote voodoo character, that is dressed like, you know, Baron Semedi and, and his son Pop, Papagete, depending on the scene. Mm-hmm. But he's being presented as Papa Legba with all the attributes of actually Papagete. And, or they've created like an amalgamation where, all right, we're blending Papa Legba Baron Semedi and Papagete all into one and creating our own character which shares all these attributes. So that's what you see a lot in movies is um, they've done, you know, they say a little research is a dangerous thing. Mm -hmm. Um, They've done a little research. They've made this little puzzle. They made this puzzle of different spirits because they thought the top hat was cool. (laughs) They thought the cemetery king was cool, but they also wanted him to be the door opener. So they just decided to make this, you know, like put it in a blender and we're calling this spirit this, because at least that's one of the names. So that's what you see a lot in popular media is the blend where they've actually gotten some of the facts right, but they just blended it all together. Right. And the third thing that I see that I'm sure is fits into the misconceptions or really gets people annoyed, but a lot, oftentimes zombies are associated with voodoo. Well, a lot of that was popularized by the Wade Davis book, Serpent in the Rainbow, which is a really 
interesting book that I recommend people who are interested in the, um, you know, the the science behind zombies. I, I do highly recommend they read the book, The you know, the guy is, you know, uh, whatever an ethnobotanist or, um, you know, he really did the research. Um, he really did go to Haiti. He really did explore this, you know, very, very mystifying topic. Um, but in popular culture, uh, you know, the zombies and the brain eating, it's very different than, um, what Wade Davis was exploring, which is, um, really, you know, pharmacological, uh, involves uh, one ingredient, you know, is not giving away the formula. One ingredient comes from the blowfish because pretty much everyone knows that part of it. And it renders the person, um, to where they appear dead. You know, right. you can't feel a pulse. Um, everything just slows down to the point where they're dead and then buried, deprived of oxygen. So when they are taken out of the ground, it is a very slavish state that um, some people recover from, but many don't. It's definitely not a good thing. It's, it's all about control and it's more in the province. This is, no insult to Bokors. Bokors are particularly Haitian practitioners of magic that are not necessarily confined to the rules of, let's say, the path that most Ungan or Haitian-initiated voodoo priests are on. They are, uh, you'd say, spiritual mercenaries for hire, um, and none of this is meant to sound insulting. It's just trying to give you the best understanding of, you know, what a Bokor does. A Bokor is a magician. Right. And they they typically are magicians for hire. So the same, you know, and these are different cultures, too, with different needs. Like, we could say, oh, my God, this level of control is horrifying. We would never do such a thing in our first world environment well you know sometimes you know you don't live like other people you don't know what their needs are just how desperate that mother is to you know have you know that father pitch in for their child or whatever the case may be um you know you're dealing with totally different cultures um who are subject to you know, their own ideas of what is right and wrong um, based on what their own needs are. So I try not to apply, you know, like, okay, that's why I always say, here's what I do. Sure. Not just like, oh, I'm so righteous, just here's what I do, um, and here's what my environment allows me to do. Yeah, we're, not, we're not trying to put judgment I, on it, we're I just... Had, yeah. yeah, I had a dear... Your friend, um, again, rest his soul, passed not too long ago, who is a brilliant Bokor. And again, it is up to each Bokor to decide on what their limitations are, what they will and will not do. You know, you do have some people that will do some major nastiness, and you have others who won't. And that is up to each individual 
Bocor to do. But the reason I brought up Bocors is because that's much more in the province of the Bocor than it is for the initiated voodoo priests. That's even in Haiti. Right, but it's not like the Walking Dead, you know. It's 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 more of something that maybe is used for punishment. I, I don't know what some people recover from. Some it's more like somebody appeared to be dead, and then they when they arise, it's they're sort of in a fugue state, and and it's it it looks it it mimics what a zombie, and it's sort of taken its you know it, it, the myth is sort of grown it, from that. It, it's basically done to control the will of another human being and typically to have that individual you know do the person who created them's bidding um i'm not saying that it's a common practice or it happens all the time um i'm also not going to say it never happens you know because it's you know it's silly not to just be honest um you know, it's like this is what I can tell you is that um, it isn't a good thing. It's not a blessing. Um, it is not something. It is definitely something that would be uh, a punishment. I'm not always saying it's a deserved punishment. Sometimes people just want control over another human being for their own nefarious reasons. Are there any other things that go bump in the night that are misapplied to or properly associated with voodoo? Um, well, I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about possession, about spirit possession. And that comes a lot with trying to equate spirit possession with demonic possession, which do not have anything to do with one another. Um, you know, one is in the province of the Christian faith um, and other faiths, you know, that, that have demons and angels in their theology. And spirit possession is, you remember I told you about ceremonies and when you call on the guest of honor, if they don't show up? Yes. Okay. You know, the guest of honor didn't come. Well, part of the majority of voodoo ceremonies is that Primarily, the initiated Ungan and Mambo are mounted, um, ridden by the spirits. Like you call on, let's say, Papa Dambala. I mentioned that's a Haitian Loa spirit in balance, uh, excuse me, of uh, a spiritual cleansing balance. Um, and when spirit has been presented with certain offerings, their bebe has been drawn on the ground. And right now I'm speaking, you know, about Haitian Loa right now, because Papa Dambala is a Haitian Loa. You have, let's say you called Papa Dambala, and Papa Dambala has come. There are certain things that go with that spirit. That spirit takes over that person. Again, ideally, it's an initiated Umgan and Mambo, but not all Haitian. That, that's ideal because Ungan and Mambo are equipped to deal with spirit possession. They know how to step out of the way. And that's not an easy thing to do, <laughs> to yeah. step out of the way of your consciousness and kind of let someone else take the wheel for a little while. But when they come, they are giving blessings to those there. Um, some spirits speak. Some spirits do not speak. Um, in verbal language. 
Um, some spirits will have whole conversations with you. Um, some spirits will connect with you by putting their head to your head and sending you a message that way. Um, you can speak with them, whether they're able to verbally speak back to you or not, but you can receive, you know, uh, calming from certain spirits, balance from certain spirits, other spirits, resolution to conflicts that are going on in the community. Um, the same thing that someone might come in to ask for, uh, you know, a reading at Ludovenica or a bag. At ceremony, some of these same things are asked for. You know, I'm really trying to, it may be something like I'm trying to move forward in my spiritual path. Some people are just asking for, I really want to have, I'd like to be a little luckier in my job. And spirit is there. They are in the driver's seat. And they can do things. Like you have may have a woman who is possessed by a spirit, a woman who doesn't smoke, a woman who doesn't drink. But that spirit does drink and smoke. They may down a whole bottle. They may smoke a pack of cigarettes. That human being is not a smoker or a drinker, but the spirit consumes that, and the person can come out of it without being drunk, without going, ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, on occasion, you do have this half-consciousness thing going on, too, where the the person being ridden is, they sometimes they're completely out of the way, and sometimes they're conscious for you know part of what's going on, um, or they're able to get the view. And so sometimes they do come out of it feeling certain effects. But I've, I've seen some, I've seen some feats that uh, you know skin not be when when someone has. Uh, Papa Ogu in them, you know, a, a, a machete that would pierce the skin if it was human just won't pierce the skin because. Uh, oh, I think we're, I think we're what losing. What the hell they're doing? Oh, okay. I thought but, that was the connection. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend this for people who don't know what the hell they're doing. But, you know, when someone is truly being ridden by spirit, there are things they can do that they cannot do in norm when they're just in their normal human form without spirits, you know, riding them. And I've seen it again and again and again and again. And it's like I said, it's expected, but always just divine, amazing and never taken for granted. At the same time that I say it's divine, these are like family members, like when Papa Leg becomes, you know, he, he can sit down and talk with you for a long time, tell stories, um, kind of like you feel like if you were with uh, your grandfather telling stories. So it's, it can feel, you know, like a very family space, but mm. it's, it's, that it's, sounds nice. remark it, it's remarkable. It's common but not commonplace, if you know what I mean, or commonplace but not common. It's hard to explain how we expect these things to happen, but never take them for granted. And that's at every ceremony. Well, I think you've done an excellent job of sort of expressing yourself and explaining these huge concepts uh, and explaining the 
sacred's the word that comes to mind. How sacred these uh, these beliefs and traditions are. Um, where can people find you and support you and and you know how they how can they find the store and all that other great stuff? Well, ideally they come. Thanks for asking. <laughs> of um, ideally. They'll come straight to Voodoo Authentica of New Orleans Cultural Center and Collection, which is open seven days a week. We are at 612 Dumain Street in the quarter. That's the block between Royal and Charters. Okay. And um, go have themselves some beignets down the street, Cafe Dumont, and then come stop by and see us. And uh, no, I don't have any kind of agreement with Cafe Dumont. It's just fun to get a little powdered sugar all over yourself before you, and some cafe au lait before you start your day. Um, great way to start your day. And walk on down to Maine. Um, you know, come on. There are other shops in the area, so if they want to specifically come, can you still hear me? I can. Okay. If they want specifically to come to Voodoo Authentica, then, you know, they have to make sure they're in the right place because there are other establishments. There's something to be gained from every establishment. By all means, people should check them all out. But since you're asking about Voodoo Authentica, you know, this, it's very clear on the sign. Voodoo Authentica is Voodoo Authentica. And if the sign doesn't say that, then you're not at Mambo Brandy's spot. There you go. Um, and... So that's one way is just come on and see us in person, especially on October 31st. We'll be doing our 23rd or 24th Voodoo Fest. It's always on the 31st, whether that falls on a Monday, a Saturday. It's always on the 31st, always on Halloween. And Voodoo Fest is an amazing day that everyone, it's also a nice opportunity because you are meeting people you might not otherwise meet priestesses from all over the place. And um, everybody kind of gathers for this. So it's it, it's really wonderful. The other thing is they can go on voodooshop.com. That's B-O-O-D-O-O-S-H-O-P.com. And um, support, you know, a lot of our New Orleans spiritual artists, uh, African spiritual artists, Haitian spiritual artists, and a lot of people we support support others. For example, um, the the lady who is she's family really, Mary Jo. She runs an orphanage and a school in Haiti. So when people get Haitian art from us, that's supporting what she's doing. So everything from us really support something else that supports something else that supports something else. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, I have a, I'm a new Orleans girl. I have a focus on new Orleans, but we honor the roots and we make sure we support our roots. Excellent. Well, you've made that very clear. And I think that's amazing. Um, so folks, hopefully that this is something that you're interested in. And if you are, you know where to go to get more information and, uh, Obviously, uh, she's open to oh, oh, questions. Oh, hold yeah. on. And mm -hmm. also, also, one more thing. Uh -huh. um, we also, they can call. five. We're, like I said, we're open seven days a week, 11 to 7. They can call us oh. at 
522-2111. And 11, unless it's, you know, a holiday, we're open 11 a.m. to 7 p.m., seven days a week. They can call. They can talk to someone who knows about voodoo. They can schedule a reading, a spiritual cleansing. There's a lot that we do now over the phone, you know, with every, we really try to accommodate people during the pandemic by offering Skype and all these. And so we've stuck to that. We're still offering for people who can't get to the shop. We offer phone readings, Skype readings, and, you know, all done by real practitioners who actually care about people and know what the heck they're doing and care about spirit and care about, the spirits that we're honoring at, at, at Voodoo Authentica. Excellent. Well, then that's, that's exactly what you're advertising, Voodoo Authentic. So, excellent. Thank you very much for that, folks. You know lots of ways to reach her and her team. Um, I thank you once again. And folks, give her a little support, a little love, spread the word. And uh, hopefully you'll do the same for the show. Rate, review, and share it. And we will hear from you next week in the Garden of Doom. When you're living with atrial fibrillation, finding the right treatment plan for you can make all the difference in your health and how you live. AFib is an irregular heartbeat caused by an abnormality in the heart's electrical system. AFib can lead to serious consequences for your health and quality of life, including stroke and heart failure. After working to reduce your stroke risk, the initial treatment for AFib is often to stabilize your heart rate but managing and controlling your heart's rhythm may be just as important for long-term health. In fact, it may be more important to control your heart's rhythm and rate. Educate yourself about rate and rhythm control and ask your healthcare professional about how to get in rhythm and stay in rhythm. Learn more at stopafib.org. When fall is more of a mindset than an actual season. When your cozy sweater is more of a symbol than an actual style. And when the person looking back at you in the mirror agrees that it's time your summer gets a fall refresh, grab a new Blood Orange Dunkin' Refresher. Blood Orange and cranberry flavors mixed with fall spices. It's the perfect fall refresh because you can never fall too hard. Even if some would debate whether it's quite fall yet. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.